When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast With your host Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. I am Jamie Eisner. No Paige DeMakos today, but Jake Arians is with me. This is going to be an exciting show. If you were listening to us a few weeks back, around the quarter mark of the season, we went position by position. We looked at the top five players and said whether or not we thought they were for real or not and whether they could keep it going. Well, now we're halfway through the regular season, and we're going to do it again. Uh, but Jake's going to have the opportunity to weigh in this time as well. We're going to go to each position, and we're going to talk about the top five players in average fantasy points per game and whether or not we think they will keep it up in the second half of the season, which will include the fantasy playoffs. But before we get into that, uh, Jake, how are you doing today? Hopefully they can understand us because we're both dealing with <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this fall cold we got. Uh, but I'm doing good, man. I'm excited. I'm ex- I can't believe we're halfway through the season already. I mean, it's absolutely shocking that we're going into week nine. Uh, like I said on, the other day on the podcast on Monday, I feel like you're, you're finally starting to get a, a little bit of a glimpse of some of these teams. But I think there's still enough of a question mark that's going to make a really exciting second half. Yeah, and to, to your point, I think we should give uh, our, our listeners here a little bit of an update on where we are. We pick every single game against the spread this year. And, you know, we're not off to the same torrid start we were last year where we were way, way over. But we both managed with the uh, Miami Dolphins covering on Monday Night Football, as we told you. Uh, we're now over 500 for the season on our just total predictions, 61 and 60, both Jake and myself. So even the games we've been different on, we've kind of gone 500 on those games where half the time I've been right, half the time Jake's been right. Uh, but we're starting to feel a lot better. Uh, I think we have a lot better gauge on where the whole league is. Seven and five so far on our locks this year. Uh, again, that's profitable. I mean, it's. We're, we're, I'm hoping to get that back up to where it was last year. We were hitting two of three on the locks. But, yeah, we uh, need to get up to that 57% mark, 55% mark, you know, but it's. I don't think anybody is ahead of that. I mean, that's picking every game, pick against the spread is not easy. I mean, most people tough. that pick games are picking four or five for the week. We're giving you every single game every week. And this this season's been tough. I mean, this way down for us. I've been doing this for six or seven years now, and that's uh, that's definitely down. But I mean, look, if you're over fifty percent, you're still up there with the best in the business. Yeah, we're trending in the right direction. A couple Absolutely. of big weeks. You had a huge week this last week. Uh, I had a pretty good week, not as good as yours, but uh, it went really well. But let's get into this. But let's start with the overall big picture. Who is through eight weeks of the year your fantasy MVP? Maybe one or your candidates, if you want to do it that way. I got two. I got Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin Cook. I went all in on Dalvin Cook before the season. Um, in, in my two biggest leagues, I got Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb. I got Dalvin Cook, <clears throat> and I made a trade for Christian McCaffrey where I picked up Mike Evans and Brandon Cooks as well, which has been great. But I, I don't know how you're going to argue those two, and they've been absolutely spectacular. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, the number one overall player in terms of fantasy points per game, period, regardless of position. Uh, He's averaging in half PPR formats 27 points per game on average. Uh, for him. He, he's been killing it. Uh, he's definitely going to be the fantasy MVP if we're looking at overall numbers. 
if we want to look at relative to ADP, I think there are two very interesting candidates. One of them is Lamar Jackson, uh, who's the number one QB right now, number two overall fantasy player, given where he went in drafts. And it's the New England Patriots defense who shockingly – Spectacular. I don't, know how you, the, I, mean, I don't know how you can argue that they're, they're not the MVP overall. They are the right now, again, including quarterbacks – in average points per game, they are sixth, number six in all of fantasy, including quarterbacks. Like that, that's ridiculous. The New England Patriots are currently outscoring Dalvin Cook on a points per game basis. That that's, is how that's, that's absolutely insane. That tells you that they have played nobody. Yes, they have played nobody. But you are very much and look. Unfortunately, they're probably not. They're not. They're going to play a lot of nobodies going forward. They, they have as many schedule. defensive touchdowns as they've given up touchdowns. Yeah, that's. I mean, obviously, that's not going to continue. Uh, that's but, insane. Man, I mean, this is – they have been absolutely unbelievable. They, they are league winners, and rarely do we talk about league winners um, from non-quarterback, running back, wide receiver positions. But, you know, there were a couple years where we talked about how Greg Zerline at the kicker spot was actually a massive advantage. But there's been no year where that has been as big an advantage as having the Patriots defense, not even like the Bears last year. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's just been a torrid start. I mean, it's going to come back to earth. Their next four or five games are, are losable. Although I said Cleveland was the first team that had the on paper the ability to beat them, and look what their defense did this weekend. So I, I, it'll continue to at least some extent. I can't continue on the same pace it's been. No, but there's like you know you're starting them every single week. Like there's Absolutely. never you can't get cute here. I mean I know there's some matchups that are really nice. Like Buffalo has Washington at home this week, but you're not you're not benching the Patriots defense for anybody probably the whole season just going forward. I don't care who they play. Uh, but let's get into this position-by-position position breakdown. We'll go from five to one and talk about whether or not we believe they will continue to be this productive. Let's start with the quarterbacks. Number five right now in fantasy points per game, averaging 21.5, Patrick Mahomes. I think we both expect him to continue this once he is back and healthy and playing again. Yeah, and it sounds like that might be this week. Uh, I mean, Matt Moore had a heck of a week last week. Uh, a little bit undershadowed by the night that Aaron Rodgers had, but I thought Matt Moore played great in Mahomes uh, in his place. But it sounds like Mahomes is already picking up what he's doing at practice. Looks like he's going to be back. I don't think there's anything that tells you he's not going to be in the top five, if not the top three when the season ends. Yeah, look, not much analysis here. Wherever you took Patrick Mahomes or whatever you p- paid for him in, a, in an auction draft, you're starting him every single week going forward. There's not a lot of advice there. Again, we warned that he probably wouldn't finish as a number one quarterback, but he's still going to be incredibly awesome when he's playing. And Look, he'll have Tyreek Hill back for the whole run. Like he hadn't had Tyreek Hill for a little bit. The Chiefs' offense looked good; wasn't great earlier in the year. Uh, I think that they're going to pick again for their standards. They were still very good, but they they weren't clicking like they were uh, in the early part of last season. But I do expect that to change, particularly post bye week. Quarterback number four might surprise a lot of people, but averaging twenty two point nine points per game, Dak Prescott. What do you think about Dak going forward? And can he be a top five QB the rest of the way? A lot of that skewed from the first couple of weeks where they didn't play anybody. They would start off 3-0, and and he was hot, and they were throwing the crap out of it. Um, they'll probably have a good night Monday night this week against the Giants defense in their secondary, although they've started leaning on Zeke more. So I would, I would guess he would finish outside the top five. I don't think he's going to continue at 22 points a game. I agree, but he's still going to be a QB1 by season's end. He's yeah, for sure. Very quietly, he's always been hanging around that top 12 uh, since he's been since he's been named the starter. And I think he's going to finish somewhere in the back part of the top 10 again this year. And, you know, he's he's a very good piece to have. And we'll talk about this more with a couple other guys on this list. But right now, for all of you that maybe disagreed with our preseason point on weight on quarterbacks, right now, six of the top 10 quarterbacks in average points per game – were drafted in double-digit rounds in draft time. Six of the top ten were taken in the double-digit rounds. 
So for those of you spending third, fourth, fifth, sixth round picks on quarterbacks, we warned you. Uh, and Dak Prescott's another second. I mean, we, we saw some crazy stuff in some of these drafts. Absolutely, we did. QB number three, been having a really, really strong season. Is probably the NFL MVP right now, and that's Russell Wilson, averaging 23.3 points per game. I guess the question is, will they continue to throw enough to keep him up there? It's not a matter of skill. It's not a matter of having weapons. It's a matter of will they continue to throw enough for him to stay inside the top five? Yeah, because he's the best deep ball thrower in football. And even if they're running it 30 times a game, they're going to take their shots. Metcalf has been really good down the field. Tyler Lockett's been great down the field. And he's the best deep ball thrower, period, in the game right now. He will run it around, get some points that way if he needs to. But they're going to throw it enough. I mean, if they, they throw it 25 times a game, the way he's playing right now, he's 21 or 22 or 25 and two or three touchdowns. So, yeah, I think that absolutely continues. And it's probably going to have to throw it this week. You don't and want their to defense be- is not what it's been. We've talked about no. that all year. They've got to almost outscore people. I mean, they're leaning on him in that offense. So I think they, he, he absolutely stays right there. Should have another big week this week, too, because they're going to have to throw on Tampa's defense. You're not going to run terribly effectively. Tampa Bay is going to put up points regardless, so you're going to have to throw to keep up with them. So he's going to be someone that gets to add to that total this week. Uh, quarterback number two is not a surprise to really anybody, uh, averaging a little over 25 points per game. That's Deshaun Watson in Houston. Uh, I expect him to stay there. I think he's going to challenge for that number one overall spot, assuming he stays healthy by the end of the season. That's the only thing, right? I mean, uh, he's kicked in the face, his eyes swell shut, he fixes his face mask, taps his eye and throws the game-winning touchdown pass. I mean, he has been spectacular. The only thing that scares me about staying there is his health because he's, he's still getting knocked around in every game. Still getting a ton of pressure. He's making plays, but I just don't know how much longer he can keep this up. Well, talking about how much longer you keep it up, uh, I don't know what to think about the QB number one right now, averaging 25.8 points per game. He has a very tough matchup in prime time this week against that aforementioned Patriots defense, and that is Lamar Jackson, who has been running like crazy the last couple of weeks, but is not throwing as effectively. Now, in fantasy, you're okay with that, but... Do you think he's going to end? I don't think he's going to end the year number one, but where do you think you have him? Let's take out what he's already done. If you were just starting today through the end of the season, where would you rank him inside your top 10 to 12? Where would you have him? Eight or nine. I don't think he finishes in the top five at the end of the year, even with what he's done right now. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to come back to earth this week. And people are going to see what the Patriots do on film. Now, not everybody can play that many guys at line of scrimmage, play man with a single high safety. That's what they're going to do. They're going to they're gonna slow the box. You're not going to run it on them this week. They're going to take away what you do best, and that's Lamar Jackson. So um, we said he was going to start off hot, and he was going to have a monster three or four weeks to start the year, and then it was going to start coming back to earth a little bit, and it has. And I think that's going to continue. So before we move on to running backs, I want to talk about a couple guys that are right now outside of the top 12 and, what, and see what you think and that people were pretty high on. They had him inside their top 10s in the regular season, uh, in the preseason, I should say. Uh, that is Carson Wentz, who is right now QB 14, and Jared Goff, who is QB 16. Uh, where do you expect them to finish? And then a guy like Drew Brees, who only played three games, but in those three games only averaged 16 points, which would put him all the way down at 70, 80, at QB 20. Where do you see those three QBs, Wentz, Goff, and Brees? How do you see them finishing the year? I don't think Brees will play enough games to finish in the top 10. I think Wentz will finish in the top 10 before the year is over with, and Goff will be in the top 12. Uh, Wentz's offense needs to get healthy, but it also goes through him. He's still the number one rated passer, number two rated passer in the NFL through eight games. He was number one through four games, but their offense has not stayed healthy. Zach Ertz has done nothing. They haven't had the receivers on the field. They've run it pretty good, and that's taken away from him a little bit the last couple weeks. But 
Their defense in the secondary has been garbage. They're still fighting for the playoffs. It's all going to go through him. I expect him to have some big weeks after this week when they play Chicago. Some of this has also been, and you know, I went all in on Wentz. He's my starter in both leagues, but I benched him this week for Stafford, which I was happy about. I got Matt, Tom Brady as my backup, and I'm kind of going back and forth on those guys in another league. Um, but I think he finishes the second half really strong. They just got to get healthy. They get they get Deshaun Jackson back. It's going to change that offense. Yeah, I think people forgot because we only saw him for one game, but Deshaun Jackson makes a huge difference in that offense. Remember, he had a 31 or something point fantasy game uh, in the, in that first game of the year. But <sighs> but yeah, two quarterbacks you mentioned there, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, both those guys inside the top 10 right now, both those guys not taken in the first nine-ish or 10-ish rounds of drafts. Yeah, I got Tom Brady in the 12th round or 13th round in our TDN league. Yeah, I mean, it's – it's. And I took him just to have him. I didn't think I'd play him this much. And him and Carson Wentz, I both had the same bye week, so I'm kind of screwed in week 10. I'm going to figure something out. But it's been it's been awesome to have. Yeah, it's a tough bye week, too. That's the six teams on bye. So that's going to be – you're yeah. going to be starting like Gardner Minshew or somebody. Um, all right, let's move on to the running backs and let's talk about their top five. Coming in at number five is a player that's probably on his way down uh, as expected, but – He's been really strong for fantasy order so far, and that is Austin Eckler at 18.2 points per game. We both expect him to fall out of this top 10, but where do you see him landing? Do you still see him as a top 15 or top 20 running back by season's end? I think he finishes top 20, but I think he's closer to 20 than he is to 15. Um, they, they, they want Melvin Gordon to get the ball. It'd be really interesting with, with Ken Wisenhunt getting fired, what this offense looks like. Are they going to throw it more? Are they going to run it more? Are they going to be more shotgun? Do they want Shotgun with Eckler in the game, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it changes. I mean, it all goes through Phillip Rivers anyway, so I can't imagine with him making as many checks at the line of scrimmage as he does that a lot's going to change, but it'll be really interesting. But, I, I mean, I think Eckler, just because Gordon's back, is going to dwindle down to that flex territory and be closer to 20. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, he's still playable every week, but I think he's still he's, a special player, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. He still takes it to the house from 40 out almost every game, but he just doesn't have as many touches as he was getting. Yeah, and depending on the week, he's a low-end RB2 flex play, so he's still worthy of being in your lineup every week, but that's going to slowly knock down his, his totals where he's probably going to finish somewhere in the teens among running backs once the season comes to an end. Number four players, I know somebody you have on your TDN Fantasy League team, but people are a little concerned just because of the impending return of Kareem Hunt. Uh, that is Nick Chubb, averaging 18.3 points per game so far. Do you see his workload getting eaten into enough to keep him outside of this top five by the end of the year? I'm worried about it, but I don't think they're have they're going to get as many extra drives in a game as they were expecting to dispel Chubb. Chubb hasn't really needed a rest at this point. He's kind of a workhorse anyway. So I was looking at it the other day going, oh, man, like, is are they going to try to do I – don't, I don't know how much more explosive they think Kareem Hunt's going to be than Chubb's been. And Chubb's been in there a lot on third down, so maybe a little bit, but I can't imagine Hunt's getting more than eight to ten touches a game for the first two or three back. So maybe he affects it, but I think Chubb still finishes in the top eight. A little bit uh, – I, I do as well. I do think Kareem Hunt's going to be used, but I don't know if it's going to really eat into Chubb's time that much. I mean, right, to, be, to, be, to be reasonable, Chubb's been the only good thing about that Cleveland offense so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Kareem Hunt comes in and rips one off for 40 or 50 or has a you know, big wheel route for a touchdown in his first week back, then maybe. Then they'll probably start looking at a package where he's looking at more 12 to 15 touches. But he also had surgery the first week of the season on a groin – had to come back from that. Like, I don't know how many touches they're really going to want to to give him immediately. Yeah, I mean, the big thing and is – their game flow hasn't really dictated like, okay, we're going to run it 40 times or we're going to be in the shotgun trying to catch up either. 
Yeah, and, and look, the reality is, is they have him under team control for next year too. That was a multi-year move when they went to to, to add him. Uh, and, and the reality is, I, I look at this as I think the best case scenario. This is more like what the Chargers were doing last year, where uh, Melvin Gordon was getting the lion's share, and then they would bring in, you know, you would get eight touches a game, maybe for Austin Eckler, like what they were doing early in the year last year. I think yeah. that's probably a, a more reasonable example uh, for the Chubb Kareem Hunt split, assuming both guys are are healthy uh, at that time. There's a little bit of a jump here from Chubb to the guy at number three who had a monster game last week and his fantasy owners are finally, whether you have him or not, if you ever had him at any point in the last three seasons, you're very happy to see Aaron Jones finally going off, averaging 20.4 points per game. Is he just going to continue to roll from here or do you see any regression coming? No, he's going to continue to roll because they're throwing it to him a ton. He's a matchup nightmare. I didn't know he had hands like this. They've never used him like they're using him right now. They're splitting him out, throwing him bubble screens, throwing him regular screens out of the backfield, wheel routes. I mean, he, he ran like a 15-yard dig the other night for a touchdown. Like, And Aaron Rodgers has now got confidence. You can see he's looking for him on the field. So I, I don't think he's going to do anything but stay right here. I mean, he's running it great too. But when they start using him this much in the passing game, Watch out, because he has been dangerous in the passing, and that's really where all these points have come from. Yeah, and he could have had an even bigger week a couple weeks ago. I mean, he had that very clear touchdown that he drops, uh, you know, in that primetime game, and he could have had an even bigger week than that. He's been amazing. Look, we've never questioned the talent. We've always just talked about, is he going to get enough opportunity? Uh, He didn't under Mike McCarthy. It looked like he wasn't early in the year under Matt LaFleur, but he is now, and I see no reason why. Quite frankly, and Jamal Williams is still getting some catches and some touches, and he's still playing on third down. Yeah, they're both usable. Times, but but when they put him in there and they're splitting him out and going to him, that means he's getting targets. So from a fantasy perspective, it's going to do nothing but go up even with Jamal Williams getting his workload. Yeah, and you start to look at the way they've kind of built this team. Obviously, Devontae Adams is, is the straw that stirs the drink in the receiving <sighs> core. MVS is the guy they want to take the top off the defense. But in terms of a legitimate – second option that they look at in the middle of the field, it's becoming Aaron Jones. I mean, they're trying yeah. to use him in that role. They're not using Geronimo Allison as much. And when I say using, they're not targeting Geronimo Allison as much um, in those scenarios. So I don't see a reason why he can't keep it going for the rest of the season. We don't need to spend too much time on these top two because they were your two MVP candidates. So we'll talk about some of the other backs, but we both expect Dalvin Cook averaging 22.3 points per game and Christian McCaffrey averaging 27. We expect them both to remain in the top five as long as they're healthy for at least most of the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, if Cook was getting McCaffrey's workload, you'd see the same kind of numbers, but the Vikings have been really smart. I paid attention to those games. Alexander Madison's getting anywhere from five to 10 or 12 carries a game and a target or two to take away from – so if Cook's in there for two or three plays, he comes out, gets a rest. Madison goes in there, very interchangeable, very similar-looking guys, very similar styles. They've been really smart with the, the workload that they've put on Dalvin Cook so far. They really have, and it's good to see. It, it, both backs have been effective, but Cook's been amazing when he's been playing. He's an extremely valuable asset for them, not only for fan, fantasy owners, but obviously for the Vikings as a team. But I want to talk about some of these other running backs that maybe would surprise you uh, where they are on this list in points per game. Right now, at number nine, he's only played five games, but he's number nine, averaging 15.9 points per game. Tevin Coleman, what do you think about him going forward? He's got a big Thursday night matchup this week against the Arizona Cardinals. Where do you expect him to finish the season? And is he a guy that you can trust as a low-end RB1? I think he has a monster game this week. They have nobody else healthy. Breida can't stay healthy. Um, Yeah, I mean, I like him. I love the player. We talked about going into the season. Kyle Shanahan brought him in for a reason. He knew him in Atlanta. Very versatile player. I mean, I think he absolutely stays right there in that top 15 for sure. Uh, but, I mean, 
high-end RB2, mid-range RB2, I, I think he stays right there as long as he stays healthy. Running back 10 is a guy that we was drafted to be here, but his path to getting to this point has been wild. James Conner, RB10 right now in fantasy points per game at 15.7, tied with Alvin Kamara. But he's not. He's doing it a completely different way this year than he did last year. Do you think this continues? He's got banged up again in that Monday night game. Looks like he might play. Or, or what are your feelings about James Conner's season and what it looks like in the second half? I don't think it changes a whole lot. Actually, I think it, it diminishes a little bit. I mean, the only reason he had such a big game the other night on Monday night against the Dolphins, one, it was the Dolphins. Two, Benny Snell went out early in the second half with a knee, and Samuels didn't play with a knee. Well, Samuels is going to be back. Connor's now banged up. I don't think they're going to be able to run it that successfully. He was averaging 3.2 yards a carry and averaged 6.5 the other night. I mean, if you take that game away the other night where he puts up 30 points or 25 points, whatever it was, it kind of skews the numbers a little bit. I don't think he stays at 10. I think he probably finishes closer to 20 when the year's over. Three more backs I want to discuss just because they were drafted pretty high. Uh, coming in at running back 18, Todd Gurley, averaging 13 points per game. Is this just what he is now? Is he just going to be this mid-level RB2 the rest of the way, or is there more upside? Is there more risk? What do you think? I think he stays right there. I think they're very, very conscious on his workload. They're not throwing it to him a ton. He's maybe catching a screen pass or something. He's not being used the same way that he was in the past in the passing game. Um, Malcolm Brown's hurt. That helps. But Henderson's coming on. They drafted him. I mean, there's been a, been a big work share in that backfield, and I can't imagine it's going to change because they needed him to have a bigger workload in some of these games, and he hadn't gotten it. So I don't think that's going to change at all. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I st- again, he's still an every week starter, still worthy of being in, in an RB2 spot, in a flex spot, maybe if you're really strong at the position. But yeah, his days of being a, a top five running back, at least for the foreseeable future, look to be over and probably forever um, at that spot. Uh, a name that came up in trade rumors yesterday did not get traded, but has been part of this just whatever you want to call this monstrosity of a jet season that's Le'Veon Bell down at RB20 at 11.7 points per game uh, he's got a juicy matchup against the Dolphins this week is this the start of a turnaround now that Darnold's back or is this a scenario where he's just not going to be in RB1 territory in this offense I think he's going to finish close to RB1 but I don't think he's going to get there I think probably more like 13-14 I think there's a bounce back and he has a bigger second half if they get Herndon back, they got Darnold. If Jamison Crowder's out there, they got Ryan Anderson. Then they at least – you have to play them differently than you've played them so far. I mean, when, when Darnold was out, they had nothing. We were loading the box because it was all Le'Veon Bell. Uh, they've got some favorable matchups. They have a pretty easy schedule the second half of the season, uh, according to the experts and the percentages. Um, so I think he finishes with a better ha- second half than first half. Uh, I, I agree with you, but I, I think – and look, it should start this week, but I understand if those of you are concerned. Uh, I think you look at him more as – I imagine he's going to finish – So he's going to finish in the top 15, I'd imagine. Maybe he could push the top 10, but I just don't have a lot of confidence in this offense. And I don't have a lot of confidence they're going to run enough plays to get the job done. Uh, if he doesn't have a huge game against Miami this week, then I, I really don't know what to tell you. Um, and But the last back I want to talk about is in Atlanta. He's down at RB22, and that's Devontae Freeman averaging 11.5 points per game. I kind of think this is where he deserves to be, somewhere around the number 20 mark. Do you think any differently? No, I, I think that's exactly where he's going to be between 20 and 25 when the season's over. He's had a couple fluky games where he's caught some late passes or it would be worse than this. Started off really slow. Bounced back the last three or four weeks has been pretty solid, but it's all been catches. So in a full, full point PPR, he's been okay. Half point PPR has not been that good. And they suck. They're going to throw it a ton. 
the only hope you have of him staying between 20 and 25. Because if it was, if they were going to run it more, then he'd be a lot closer to 30. Yeah, Matt Ryan's got to stay healthy. And this is one of the ones where I'm mad at myself where I was wrong on this because I, I discussed all the things that worried me about this situation and I kind of ignored them and been like, no, he's going to get the volume. And it just has not turned out to be the case. Devontae Freeman. No, I was wrong too. I had him higher than he is. I mean, he's looked okay at times. And I like, I, the reason I had him higher is to like him out of the backfield catching it, but. They can't run it at all. No. I mean, they're, they, they're terrible. Now, Matt Ryan needs to be healthy for that offense to do anything uh, in yeah. terms of fantasy value. I, I know Matt Schaub had all those garbage yards when the Seahawks stopped playing in the second half, but let's let's be realistic about what this offense can be for fantasy purposes. Uh, let's move on to wide receivers, and we'll go from five to one and talk about some other names here. Coming at number five, Amari Cooper, averaging 15.9 fantasy points per game. Uh, there's a bit of a drop from him to the top four, uh, or from the top four to him, I should say, but he's still sitting there at number five. He's got a juicy matchup this week. Uh, what do you think about him going forward? I think he probably finishes between six and ten, but he's been really solid. He's had a couple monster weeks. They're going to get into the meat of their schedule here coming up. Uh, and you're going to have to start doubling him. If Gallup can stay healthy on the other side and Cobb can stay healthy, I mean, they could put their, their full receiving core out there. I think they'll be okay. Uh, then he has a chance to stay in the top five and stay around five. But I think he probably finishes closer to seven or eight. Yeah, I agree. Definitely a top 10 guy. I don't think he stays in the top five. They're going to have tougher matchups than they've had going forward. Uh, they're, again, they're going to run the ball with Zeke more. They need to run the ball with Zeke more. Uh, who's the RB6 right now in fantasy points per game. So I expect more from him, and that's going to cut into Cooper's value a little bit. Uh, another Cooper comes in at number four. This is Cooper Cup, averaging 17.3 points per game, uh, one of our favorite players on this show. Uh, I don't see this slowing down anytime soon. I mean, he he's what makes Jared Goff go. Cooks is now seeing a concussion specialist. He might miss some time. Uh, I see no reason why Cup can, can't continue to be a top five wide receiver going forward. No, he's Cooks. He, he's Jared Goff's uh, safety blanket, but he's also a big play threat. So you got McVay scheming stuff up for him. You got Goff that feels comfortable with him and throws it to him when he doesn't feel comfortable. Uh, they move him all over the place. I, I think he absolutely stays in the top five. Coming at number three is is a player you know very well, and that is Mike Evans, averaging seventeen point six points per game. Uh, for as much maligned as he was early in the season about not putting up points, he's number three. It's fantasy wide receiver right now. Uh, I think that one surprised me a little bit. I think that that's one where the narrative has actually overcome uh, what he's actually been on the field, which is incredibly productive and has had some massive games this year. Do you think he finishes in the top five or is his inconsistency going to probably keep him more in the like eight to 10 range? I think he's probably five, six, seven. I think he stays right there. I mean, he, he's, he's at number three right now with a zero. Yeah. He had a zero against the Saints, but he's had two 40 plus point games. I bought low on him. He was in that McCaffrey trade that I made, uh, and I'm very happy about it. I, I can live with you know the five, six, seven pointers when you're throwing up a forty pointer. But I think they've really figured out what they are, and they know they got to score points to win games. So I, I don't think this offense is going to change much, and they're going to keep taking their shots to him. So I think he definitely stays in the top six. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be right in that in that middle group there, somewhere between four and seven uh, by the time it's all said and done, because he is going to have those big games. And yeah, I mean, if you take that zero out which I know you can't do, but boy, uh, he, we'd be looking at him a lot differently because the narrative would have been so much different if we didn't have that one week where everybody freaked out about Mike Evans and tried to trade him or all this other stuff. Uh, number two on this list at 18.4 fantasy points per game is the guy we've talked about so often on the show. Michael Thomas just continues to produce no matter what. 
Um, I'm of the mind that he has a real shot to finish as a number one overall wide receiver this year, but I think he's definitely a top three guy going forward. Look, I mean, he sustained Bridgewater being in for Breeze and didn't miss a beat. And now his guy is back. So I don't, I mean, I, I have him in my top three every year. I had him a little higher last year than everybody else, and he had a monster year, but I don't think there's any way he drops outside the top three. He just has too many targets. And then those targets are off 12, 15, 20 yards. He ends up with eight for 100 every week. If he gets an end zone, he has a monster week. So I can't imagine these finishes outside the top three. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I just, I can't see how that happens. Number one, averaging 18.9 points per game. You might as well just rename our show after him. That is Chris Godwin uh, having the – we all thought he would have a monster season, but he somehow even exceeded our extremely high expectations so far. Uh, again, if he's healthy, I see no reason why he's not a top five, top three wide receiver the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, I got him definitely finishing the top five. I, I think he may drop off a little bit. But if he drops off, then Mike Evans is going off because the only times that they've had off weeks is when they double the other guy. And the reason Chris is getting off every week and getting his is because Mike Evans is having the coverage rolled to him. He's a bracket covered, double covered, and Chris is playing the slot. He's doing the dirty work. He's playing that Larry Fitzgerald, Heinz Ward, Reggie Wayne role in this B.A. offense, and he's eating every week. He also catches everything that's thrown to him. He's phenomenal run after the catch. Jameis has all the faith in the world in him. So as long as he stays healthy, and he hadn't been healthy, in prison a couple weeks, ran practice till Friday and still putting up these kind of numbers. So I can't imagine that if he's if he's out there that this is going to drop off. Yeah, I mean, look, this we're, we're going to look back and I know like this Tampa Bay Buccaneers season is going to be so strange because of some well because of a couple really glaring officiating calls in a couple different games and all this other hoopla and all the turnovers. And they have they've had their deficiencies. They're a young team has got to learn how to win, but there's some serious bright spots. Especially too. from a fantasy perspective, I mean, like Jameis is in the top ten at quarterbacks right now. You have they have two receivers in the top three. Uh, I mean, again, look, the running back situation hasn't panned out the way fantasy owners had hoped. I think Ronald Jones had a big second half. Yeah, but you warn people of that. Don't don't expect much in the first half of the season from Ronald Jones. Right. Uh, The tight end situation, yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us saw it coming to this extent. Um, But they've been really good for fantasy owners so far, and we kind of told you that. Uh, Let's talk about some other names here because there's some really interesting names that are high up here in the receiving list. Number six right now is DJ Chark, averaging 15.4 points per game. Definitely has a connection with Minshew. Whether or not he has a connection with Nick Foles, if and when he comes back, we don't know yet. Where do you think he lands? Because I I would still be shocked if he finished among the top 10 receivers when it's all said and done. Yeah, great waiver. I'm not going to toot my own horn too much because I saw him play in the first game against Kansas City. And as soon as Minshew came in, I was like, man, they look like they got some chemistry. They're, they're both you know, young guys. They were on the same field a bunch in preseason, that kind of stuff. And I went, I got to have somebody else. And then it just kind of took off. I got lucky in our TDN league because there's 14 teams and there's nobody on that waiver wire, as you know. Uh, I think he finishes probably closer to 10 or 12 because I don't think they throw it enough. But if Minshew stays the quarterback, they keep running it the way they've run it, he's getting 8 to 10 targets a game and he's putting up good numbers. I can't imagine it's going to change a ton, but I think he probably finishes closer to 10 than he does. Yeah, five. I think he's more like a wide receiver too. I think he's going to finish somewhere in the teens uh, when it's all said and done. But he's been pretty darn good so far. And again, awesome pickup if you had him. Uh, he was the guy that I saw picked up a lot in the first couple of weeks, kind of dropped in the first couple of weeks. Uh, but obviously he's, he's an every week starter for you going forward. Uh, coming in at wide receiver 11, a guy that came back from injury last week and dealing with the list, Frank, is Tyrell Williams. And, uh, you know, I made this joke where, like, the, the Chris Davis comparison of where, where in, in baseball in Oakland, Chris Davis, he's, he's a slugger, hit like 247 for like four consecutive seasons, which is, again, if you, if you know anything about baseball, the odds of hitting the same batting average on the nose 
for four consecutive seasons is like astronomically low. Uh, and my joke with Tyrell Williams is, is you know he's going to get exactly three catches and one a touchdown every single game. And that seems to be what he's doing. He's caught a touchdown in every game he's played this season. Do you think – I don't think he's going to finish as a wide receiver one by any means, and that Liz Frank injury is not going away. But where do you see him? Is he still going to be a top 20 receiver when it's all said and done? If he plays, he puts up numbers. So yeah, I think he finishes in the top 20. This offense has been good. They run it. They play action off of that. Carr has been extremely efficient, high completion percentage. And he, he likes his guys. And the one thing they've done is they've schemed it up really well. So the way that you call it, the way you design it, you're hoping to get the right defense, right? They're getting that a lot. That's good coaching. That's good film study. And when that happens, you have guys that are open. And that's either Waller, that's been Tyrell Williams when he's played. So I think he's finishes in the top 20 if he, if he continues to play. This, this foot injury is not going away. Yeah, he's going to miss some more time. But when he plays, I think he definitely does. Yeah, he definitely needs to be. He's definitely a wide receiver three flex guy every single week. I, again, I could see. I see him finishing probably somewhere in the top twenty five. I just imagine at some point the touchdown luck's going to go away, uh, and you're not going to survive on like three for forty eights for too long. I mean, the touchdowns are no. saving you, but he's got to be used. I mean, they use they, they and they don't throw it enough that that that, that could save you because even if he's getting like five for sixty five or seventy. Those are going to they're not going to save you very long either. They're only throwing it thirty times a game. Max. Yeah, and a lot of them are not far downfield either. I mean, I know they've they've targeted if they're going downfield, they're going to Tyrell Williams. But I don't know. To me, like that's the one that as a Tyrell Williams owner, I'd be more wary about him than anybody we just talked about. A uh, couple other yeah. names to talk about coming at number thirteen right now was in most places the number one overall wide receiver, and that was New Hopkins. Averaging a little bit under 14 points per game. We expect that to turn around, but do you think it turns around into top five production, or is he going to be somewhere in that like Amari Cooper range of like five, six, seven type range? Yeah, I think it's probably closer to eight. I think it's probably too late for him to get in the top five because the guys that are up there, I can't imagine, are going to drop off that much. Um, his target production is going to be about the same. He probably catches more touchdowns the second half than he did the first half. He's going to put up basically the same numbers he puts up every year. And he's going to finish closer to the top five. I just think some of those guys are having bigger years, and he started off pretty slow. Yeah, I, I, he needs the other guys on his team to stay healthy, yes, he does. so they can't double and triple him. And they've always done that, and he always makes catches anyway. But if Will Fuller's out there, teams play them completely different than they do when he's not. Yeah, and we've seen some more games from Hopkins where he's getting a ton of targets and receptions, but just the depth of target isn't what they used to be. Like they're using him. Uh, yeah, they're ten yard comebacks and fifteen yard digs, and they're not. It's not the same kind of stuff. Yeah, so it'd be very interesting to see where he goes going forward. Uh, a few more names to talk about here. Let's talk about both Minnesota guys because they're almost identical uh, in fantasy points per game. Uh, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen. Diggs is averaging thirteen point six. Thielen thirteen point five. Who do you find? Who do you see? Assuming again, Adam Thielen's healthy and playing this week. Who do you see finishing with more fantasy points per game by the end of the season? Uh, maybe Diggs because I started going deep to him off the play action a little bit more. Uh, he's had a couple monster weeks, but it was Thielen before that. I think it's still hit or miss. I, I think you're going to be guessing which guy is going to get the production every week. I think Irv Smith Jr. is going to be a bigger play, play coming down the stretch. He's getting more and more involved every week. Um, I, I think it's totally up in there which one's out. I'll go with Diggs because I think he has a bigger you know, play in our play action potential down the field. And he's healthier right now. Uh, but yeah, I think, yeah. look, you, you're, you're playing both of these guys now. I think we can finally stop worrying that Stefan Diggs is not playable. Like again, people always overreact to a couple bad weeks and, and it's funny. Game, game flow is so funny. Like, I mean, they absolutely kill the quarterback 
Cousins apologizes, but it was game flow. They, the coach wants to run it, and they wanted to run it almost to a fault early. Well, now you've run it so successfully that everybody wants to load the box. Well, what do you do? You guys still got a very competent quarterback and really good receivers. Then you're going to throw it to open up the run. It's just how the game works. You can only stop one or the other. And if you want to play vanilla, then they'll kill you with both. So you're absolutely going to play them at this point because nobody's going to load the box just to stop the run because they're going to get killed by the pass. Cousins has proven that with really four really good weeks in a row, right? They just came out early with, we're going to prove to you we're going to run it. We're going to run it down your throat. And that opened up all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And look, they got the Kansas City defense this week. So it's going to be interesting to see how everybody performs. I'm assuming Thielen's going to play. Uh, let's talk about uh, these last couple receivers here coming in at uh, numbers 22 and number 23. But there's, their situations have been changed a little bit. That Number 22 is Scary Terry. Number 23 is Cortland Sutton. Looking like there's going to be at least temporarily a QB change in Washington until Case Keenum is healthy uh, with Dwayne Haskins. And despite the, the Ohio State connection, uh, Terry McLaurin has not been targeted very much when Dwayne Haskins has played and Dwayne Haskins can't move the ball down the field. And Colin Sutton now doesn't have Joe Flacco, at least for the foreseeable future. Are either of these guys top 30 wide receivers by season's end? Yeah, I think Cortland Sutton is. I think his target share is still going to be up there pretty good. Even if Flacco goes on IR, he's still the number one guy there by far. He's going to get his. And he's a matchup nightmare. He's long arms, tall guy, huge hands, big catch radius, a lot like New Hopkins. You could throw it close. He's going to come down with a lot of them. Um, Scary Terry, I love. I wanted to pick him up so bad. And every time I got it, I looked at it and I, now, I analyzed the second half. I went, God, every week sucks. Their matchup is terrible. Every single week they play good defenses, and he's the only option they got. So, no, I don't think he finishes in the top 30, but he's a really good player that's going to be in this league for a long time. Well-polished guy for a young receiver. Like, runs all the routes good. I, I really like him, but, no, I don't think he finishes in the top 30 with, with that quarterback playing and that offense with everybody banged up and the defenses that they're playing. Uh, I agree completely, but he has had a hell of a rookie season already. Uh, and it's somebody you're he really did. excited from, especially from an NFL standpoint. Like I will have to see what the quarterback situation there looks like next year, but it's having a hell of a start. And I agree with Corlin Sutton. He's going to still get targeted. He's still the best receiver that they have. Um, obviously they could focus on him a little bit more with Emmanuel Sanders gone and the, the weird court quarterback situation, but you know, he's still somebody that you're playing on a weekly basis. Uh, let's move on to the scary position that is tight ends this year, which has been an absolute nightmare for almost everybody. Uh, we'll talk about the top five, and there are a couple other guys that are not in there that are interesting. But let's start with number five, Evan Ingram. Not a huge surprise. Not having as big of a season as many thought he would, even if they had him in the top five. But 11.3 points per game. Do you expect him to stay there? He's He scored a half a point more than Mark Andrews, who's right behind him at number six. Yeah, I think he stays right there. I mean, he's had a couple bad weeks where he hasn't been targeted that much. I think when they get their full complement back as well, when they've got Sterling Shepard, they've got Golden Tate, they've got Ingram, I think that actually helps his production because when they don't have those guys, you're going to focus on him. If you got all three of those guys and Saquon and a young quarterback, I think he stays right where he's at. I can't imagine he's going to have too many monster games when all those guys come back, but I think that helps open things up for him that he can still get those five or six targets, you know, five catches, 70 yards, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have him staying in the top five because I have a, a guy coming from behind to get him um, that's not in there right now, and that'd be a guy we'll talk about in a second, uh, but uh, I still think he's going to finish, you know, top six or seven. Five, five, yeah, six, Yeah, he's still going to yeah. be in that spot. There are really seven good tight ends this year and really eight guys maybe you would trust. 
Uh, so he's still going to finish in that spot. And I am interested to see how this Giants team looks as Daniel Jones gets more comfortable. You know, Sterling Shepard might be back this week. I believe he finally shed the uh, the no contact jersey today at practice. And when they have their full complement of weapons and see how they are all used. Uh, I guess the only level of concern would be Evan Ingram's had a lot of success in his career when guys have been out around him. I want to see how, how successful he can be when everybody is healthy. But still, he's an every week starter for you. It should open things it up. Should. You're exactly right. Like when, OB, when OBJ was out, this is when he went off. But when everybody's back now with a different quarterback, it should open things up for him where he's got matchups against safeties and linebackers, which are absolutely yeah, beneficial. Actually, that's a great point. The QB change difference is, is massive there. So I'm very curious to see that. Uh, tight end four so far, and you have to say he's been a disappointment given where he was drafted, averaging 11.7 points per game. Travis Kelsey, I mean, we all expect him to finish in the top five, but do you think he can, if Mahomes comes back, maybe even this week, he can sneak back to that number one spot? I don't think he does it this week against the Vikings, but uh, I think he does finish in the top three. I think he'll have a bigger second half than first half. They got the same thing. They got to get all their guys healthy. They got to get their guys out there. The offensive line hasn't been that good. They've been banged up. Uh, but they they got to get on a run the second half, and they know they got to put up points to do it. And I think it all still really goes through him when they get everybody out there. So I think he finishes in the top three, but I don't think you're going to see a giant jump. No, and if I'm not mistaken, I still don't think we've seen – maybe we've seen it once, but we've seen zero games or one this year when Mahomes, Kelsey, <clears throat> Watkins, and Hill were all on the field together. Uh one yeah, against Jacksonville. That's the only time. Uh, so I'd be interested to see what it looks like with the full complement of the basketball. And that was only half yeah. of that game. So we'll see. What- and Sammy Watkins looks hurt. I mean, he still does not look anywhere near the same drop yeah. one the other night. Like I, I, I want to drop him, but then I'm like, God, if they just give him enough time, maybe I'll just let him sit on the bench and maybe I'll yeah, play him you later just on. Want, you just want shares of that offense. You do. Like, as much as it annoys yeah, you, exactly. you just want to have a piece of it. It's why still people hold on to both running backs, even though like they continue to disappoint everybody every week. Uh Coming in at number three, awesome story. Darren Waller averaging 13 points per game. Uh, they're targeting him a ton. He's now finally starting to get some touchdowns to make up for all the targets that he was having without scoring earlier in the year. Uh, he's staying in the, in the top three or four for me. It wouldn't surprise me to finish number one, uh, to be honest with you. I mean, he's the, he's kind of the focal point of that offense. They're running it through Jacobs, who's having a monster year uh, and been very successful, but they're looking for him. And he's a matchup nightmare. He's played really well. If he stays healthy, I think he definitely stays in the top three, but I think he's challenging one before it's over. Yeah, I think he's very much in that conversation, uh, as is the next guy who you know is not going to finish there in total points because he missed most of the year. But since he's come back, averaging 13.4 points per game, that's Hunter Henry, who's having success in an offense even when that offense is not having a lot of success. Where do you see him finishing among the top five or ten tight ends? I think he finished in the top five. I think he's going to drop out of the, out of this position uh, fairly soon. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's played, he's come back really fast from that injury and been very good. Uh, I think he's finished the top five cause he's going to have enough targets and Phillip rivers and look like they've got chemistry and Phillip. If you got chemistry with Phillip as a tight end, it's always been really good. Absolutely. It has been. And look, they're going to have to look for some other reliable weapons besides him and Keenan Allen. Mike, Mike Williams keeps dropping a ton of balls a game. That's going to be a, that's going to come back to bite him at some point. They're going to, they might have to start finding other options there, which only says good things about their top two targets. The number one tight end right now, averaging 14.6 points per game. The only tight end north of 100 points this year, Austin Hooper. Uh, so we've been waiting for the Austin Hooper breakout season for what seems like a few years now. We've gotten it so far. Where do you see him finishing? And can he continue to challenge for that number one spot? As long as he's healthy, yes, because their defense is terrible. They don't run it. And as, if Matt Ryan comes back, 
he's right there. He's going to have the targets. He's basically just the, the third option in this offense. I mean, you got Julio, Ridley. Devontae's kind of the fourth option. It's really Hooper. Is that se- He's really the second option. I mean, he's had a bigger year than Ridley has. So I, I don't – I can't – I think it's going to be – I think him and Waller are battling for the number one tight end for the year. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think he's staying in that top two. I think there may be somebody who pops up there, whether it's Waller, maybe Kelsey has some big weeks, or maybe Hunter Henry has some big weeks, but – I don't see any reason why Austin Hooper can't stay there. And as someone who had Austin Hooper, I uh, drafted him for $1 and then dropped him after I made a trade. Uh, not thrilled uh, with his big season so no. far. A uh, couple other tight ends that were taken pretty high that we should discuss before we move off of them. Uh, coming in right now at number seven and someone who I expect to be in the top five by season end, and that's George Kittle, averaging 10.6 points per game. Um, he hasn't had a bad season, but it just hasn't been anything special. I imagine better days are coming, including on Thursday Night Football this week against the Cardinals. I think he breaks out big time this week, and I think he has a monster second half. I think he definitely gets in the top five, probably the top four before it's over. And coming in at number nine, he leads all tight ends and targets, but is only averaging 8.4 fantasy points per game, and that is Zach Ertz. Uh, What should Zach Ertz owners do right now? Uh, If you look at all the – I'm one of them. Keep praying that it gets better the second half. I think the same thing I talked about earlier when we are talking about Wentz. they got to get everybody healthy. If you get everybody healthy, if you got Alshon Jeffrey, you got Deshaun Jackson, you got Aguilar in the slot, and now you got Ertz, and Goddard doesn't have to play as much, you're not going two tight ends as much, or even if you do, then he's you could it opens up the field so much more for him. They have to have their their full complement of weapons for him to really get a big game because he's getting a ton of targets, but they're kind of ugly targets. Like late in the play, Wentz loves him, so he just throw it near him. It's a target, but it's not really a catchable target. I think when they get healthy, I think he has a sort of bigger second half, but I don't think he has a monster year. No, and it, it's that was the, the, the tight end I traded for when I had to drop Austin Hooper. Uh, so I actually would just been better off just keeping him. Uh, but it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting to see how – again, you like, you like the fact that he's still getting targeted a ton, but uh, they're not targeting him as much in the red zone. They're 5-8 and eight and 12-yard targets. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's and they're nothing. not in the red zone. They're looking at Goddard a lot in the red zone this year, which, by the way, they should. Goddard's a damn good player. but He is, and he's not getting doubled like Kelsey, yeah. like, like Ertz. I mean, you're going to double Ertz in the red zone when you don't have the full complement of guys. I mean, Alshon was out. Deshaun Jackson was out. When they get all those guys back in and they're running it better now, I think all that opens up a, a bigger second half for Ertz. But I don't think it's going to be a huge jump, maybe 15% you know, better productivity than it was the first yep, eight weeks. I agree with you there. Let's speed through the kickers and defense quickly just to see if you have any thoughts. Um, I'm just going to read you the top uh, six kickers right now because they are all averaging double-digit points per game and let me know if any of these names pop out or if I missed anybody. Uh, from 6-1, to one, Josh Lambeau averaging 10 points a game. Greg Zerline and Zane Gonzalez averaging 10.1. Joey Sly averaging 10.3. Matt Prater at 10.4. And Justin Tucker, old reliable, at 10.7. I mean, that seems about right. Yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty solid. I mean, Matt Gay, after missing a game-winning kick in the – in the uh, second game of the year, has really bounced back and been really solid. He's, he's got to be seven. close to that. He's, he's the first one I did mention. Yeah, I was saying, he's got to be right there for the Bucks. He's been really, really good. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, those guys are all going to be there. Those those offenses put up uh, numbers, and those guys have been really good. And the big thing, with those, a lot of those guys, they all kick really good from 45 to 55. So you're getting those four- and five-point kicks, which really help up yeah, those numbers. Yeah, Zerline and Tucker are there every year. Those are not surprises. Matt Prater's a damn good kicker, but now Detroit's offense has caught up to the point this year, unlike they were last year, uh, where he is getting all those points. Joey Sly's a monster. That dude, that dude, and yeah. him and Matt Gay are both just monsters from deep. Uh, they're just, it's, it's amazing watching those guys. 
And look, Arizona's completely complete failure to ever score a red zone touchdown has really helped Zane Gonzalez. Like he's getting cut. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's the one that, the guy on that list that's not kicking a lot of long field goals, but kicking a ton of them because they're yeah, bad. In the they red really zone. are. So uh, those guys we fully expect to go going forward. As far as defenses go, we've already talked about the Patriots, who are clearly number one. They're outscoring. Uh, the difference between them and the number two defense is eight points per game. That's remarkable. Damn. Uh, but let's talk about the rest of San Francisco 49ers at number two uh, at 14.6 points per game, which is four points clear of number three. So there's a clear top two here. Uh, that defense has been unbelievable. They have, again, a short week against the Cardinals team this week. Do you see them finishing somewhere near the top five? I, I think they finished yeah, top three for sure. Uh, I mean, they just rush the passers so well. They're going to get their sacks. They're going to get sack fumbles, which is going to lead to turnovers in the back end. If you're rushing the passer, you got six guys to do it, which means even if – so say the Cardinals' offense runs like they want it to, and they run a bunch of plays, and they're trying to get that defense tired. They're still subbing guys in and out. they got like five first-round picks on that defensive line of the six guys that can rush the passer. The other one's D Ford. That's not. Like, they're going to get there. So, yeah, I think they definitely finished yep, top I three. I agree with you there completely. There are two other defenses that are averaging more than 10 points per game. That is the Pittsburgh Steelers at 10.7 at number three, and the Carolina Panthers at number four at 10.4. Very interesting because uh, you you look at the Steelers and I think a lot of people might be surprised to see them there, but they generate I'm but they generate a lot of fantasy point production. They pick guys off. They, they're picking people off. They're getting sacks, even though they're allowed. I, I don't know what their points allowed have been, but I bet you they're much higher than anybody else in the top ten. But they're doing enough to help that fantasy value by getting it, that those one and two points at a time. Yeah, they you know they had like nine sacks against the Bengals. Minka Fitzpatrick had two garbage picks the other night. Oh, I know. Uh, so yeah, I can, see, I can see that. I can't. I, yeah, <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine. I can't imagine the Steelers actually stay in that top four. Uh, the Panthers lost one of their best defensive linemen and are still doing that. They're, they get after the. They can get after the passer. And they can do it with with four guys as well. So you got seven guys in coverage. Keekley's an animal. They're never going to give up. They're going to. You're not going to score thirty on them very often, right? So. I think they stay in that probably top five or six, but both of those shots. Yeah, me a little number bit. five is the Rams. Uh, I think we expect them. I mean, look, they give up a ton of points, but they have enough talent there to do some things. Uh, now that you have Jalen Ramsey, add him to the mix here. Uh, you expect him to kind of stay in that range. But uh, a couple other ones I want to bring up just briefly here that are not inside the top eight right now. The Bears are down at number nine. Uh, the Saints at number ten. Do you see either one of those two teams jumping back up into the top five? The Bears, no, because their offense is not getting a whole lot better. Uh, the Saints, yes. With Drew Brees back, that offense, with Kamara comes back, they're really good. Uh, I mean, they're the same thing. You're rushing four guys that are getting to the pass or stop the run. Uh, I, I, I definitely think the Saints will move up closer to five uh, than ten, but I don't think the Bears can. Their offense is putting them out there too much. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. Where They're still worthy. I mean, most weeks you're going to rank them inside the top ten, but – they're just, you know, yeah, yeah, they're going to stay in the top ten. I just don't. I don't think they can get in that top five range. They're, they're just out there for two or three extra possessions a game. Yeah, it's awesome. I just it's 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 not the same team. It's really not the same team. Uh, before we end the show, let's preview Thursday night football. Uh, the we've talked about it a ton already, so we've previewed most of the aspects. But uh, the San Francisco Forty ers come into Arizona, our backyard, as ten and a half point favorites. What are you watching for in this game, and what is your pick? I got them covered. I got 31-20, uh, so I was pretty close to that line. Not a good matchup for the Cardinals. I mean, I just I just described this defense to you. Opportunistic. They got six guys that can flat rush the passer. Uh, Cardinals' offensive line is not great. 
Kyler's going to run around, but they got a really good linebacking corner in San Francisco too. I see a lot of a lot of sacks. I see some sack fumbles. I see some turnovers for for Kyler Murray in this game. They have no running backs. They just traded for Kenyon Drake. Signed Alfred Morris last week. Neither one of those guys know the offense yet. Um, I, I think the Cardinals are going to have to throw it a ton, and I don't think that's going to be a good recipe for them. They also don't stop the run very well. They give up a bunch in the pass, and they give up a bunch to the tight end. Uh, all of this, even though it looks like it's only going to be Tevin Coleman and not the rest of the the complement of running backs for the 49ers, I, I just think it's a bad matchup for the Cardinals. Another big thing here is if anybody was questioning the 49ers, they just put up 51 on yeah. a really good team. Like I, I was like, all right, let's see what happens in, in Carol, against Carolina because I could see Carolina going out there and winning. No, they beat the brakes off of a really solid team. Carolina is significantly better than than uh, Arizona. I, I think it's good. I think it could be. Yeah, ugly. I agree with you. I'm going to pick the Niners to cover here as well. Uh, I love Tevin Coleman in this matchup. I believe he's my RB 13 this week. I think he's going to put up huge numbers. Uh, Kittle's my number one tight end. He's going to put up big numbers. I expect a good week for Emmanuel Sanders in the slot as well. Um, I think. I don't love Jimmy G because I don't think they're going to need to throw it as much, but he is somebody that's hanging around that like QB 15, QB 16 for me. So if you're in a deep league and you're desperate with the buys, um, he could be an option for you. I I would start Kenyon Drake in a flex spot. I just don't know what to expect. Uh, C- Cliff Kingsbury came out today and said he's going to play in some capacity. Uh, I have no idea what that means. He's only going to know maybe – Eight to yeah. twelve plays. I mean, he's going to have a package, but it would scare me against that defense. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, unless he catches six passes and you just get points for the catch, I, mean, I can't imagine he puts up any, anything. Yeah, solid I mean, I wouldn't expect double digit points. Um, I would expect to give him six, no. seven, or eight points. I think he might be able to catch some passes late when the Cardinals are down late, um, and they're running more just basic, you know, no huddle type stuff. Uh, when they're already down, like three times. What do you think of Kyler from a fantasy point of, of view this week? Like, I had a question. Uh, the, somebody had Matt Ryan and Kyler Murray, and you're hoping Matt Ryan comes back. Well, yeah, Ryan's on a bye. Uh, yeah, Ryan's on a bye, so you got to play Kyler if that's the case, or you got to try to pick some. I got. I don't like Kyler Murray at all in this matchup from fans, other than how much yeah, he's going to throw. I have him it. down at QB twelve. Um, I think there's going to be enough. There's some volume there to have that, but you know, right now I have him in that same range as like I have him just above Gardner Minshew and just above Jacoby Brissett. Like I think that's kind of the range he's in. Um, it's weird because with the QBs that are on by, like you're losing three guys that have been in the top ten most weeks. Um, so you're looking from like yeah. you're looking from eight down, and I have like Jameis at eight and Garoppolo at actually I have Garoppolo up at nine. I'm shocked at how high I put him there, but I forgot like Josh Allen at ten, Cousins at eleven, Kyler at twelve. Like it gets it gets. Yeah. The top guys are still there, but it gets weak pretty quickly outside after you get past like Brady at six and Stafford at seven, who has a great match. Crazy stat that I think changes, uh, and I think changes big this week, is the Cardinals haven't had a turnover in four weeks. Yeah, that's going to change. <laughs> that's really impressive. Is. That's one of one of those. They, they won those three games, close games. Uh, but, I mean, you don't turn it over in this league, you got a chance. But I think that changes this week. I think, I think he's going to throw at least one pick, if not two. I think he has at least one sack fumble. This defensive line, I mean, they're going to be in prime time with a chance to show out. I think they, I think this defense has I a big I think they do as night. well. But if there's one positive uh, for the Cardinals, I do think Christian Kirk has a pretty decent game. Uh, he's clearly the guy. Like, he's clearly the one that's going to get the double-digit targets. He's going to catch seven or eight balls. If you're in a full PPR format, for example, uh, he is a clear uh, high-end wide receiver, too, every week. I think for everybody else in half PPR, he's more of a mid- to low-end wide receiver, too. If he plays in yes. the slot enough, 
And that's the thing. I mean, him and Larry have been switching in and out. If he plays in the slot enough, I think he can yeah, have a solid night. Uh, well, that's that's going to be about it. Wrapped up. This was fun. You know, I like taking a look back at some of these stuff as we look at these bigger sample sizes and seeing where guys are because, you know, there were a few names there that even though I look at this stuff every week and I do rankings every week at thedraftnetwork.com, you know, there were ones that surprised me a little bit. And, you know, we talked about Pittsburgh, for example. Yeah. Like that one shocked me that they're the number four fantasy defense or whatever, or number three fantasy defense. Uh, but some of this stuff's good to kind of look back and kind of gauge where, okay, these guys might be overrated or underrated or – hey, maybe there's an opportunity to buy low on some of these big stars and you can maybe move move one of those guys that are, have a high point total uh, because not all of us play in these super expert leagues. A lot of times you send a trade to somebody and they just kind of look at what they've put up fantasy-wise the last three weeks and they say, oh, okay, well, that's how good that player is and I'll make a deal. Yeah, I got lucky. I got lucky with that in like week three so myself. It definitely happens. But uh, Jake, how can they follow you on social media? Jake B. Arians on Twitter. You can follow Twitter. me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy underscore. And we will be back on Friday with Paige to break down every single one of the week nine games and recap Thursday Night Football. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.